Homily 20, Part 1 of Homilies on Ephesians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 20, Part 1, 5, 22 through 24. Wives, be in subjection unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, being himself the Saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their husbands in everything. A certain wise man, setting down a number of things in the rank of blessings, set down this also in the rank of a blessing, a wife agreeing with her husband. And elsewhere again he sets it down among blessings, that a woman should dwell in harmony with her husband. And indeed, from the beginning, God appears to have made special provision for this union, and, discoursing of the twain as one, he said thus, Male and female created he them. And again, there is neither male nor female. For there is no relationship between man and man so close as that between man and wife, if they be joined together as they should be. And therefore a certain blessed man, too, when he would express surpassing love, and was mourning for one that was dear to him, and of one soul with him, did not mention father, nor mother, nor child, nor brother, nor friend. But what? Thy love to me was wonderful, saith he, passing the love of women. For indeed, in very deed, this love is more despotic than any despotism. For others indeed may be strong, but this passion is not only strong, but unfading. For there is a certain love deeply seated in our nature, which imperceptibly to ourselves knits together these bodies of ours. Thus even from the very beginning woman sprang from man, and afterwards from man and woman sprang both man and woman. Perceivest thou the close bond and connection? and how that God suffered not a different kind of nature to enter in from without. And mark how many providential arrangements he made. He permitted the man to marry his own sister, or rather not his sister, but his daughter, nay, nor yet his daughter, but something more than his daughter, even his own flesh. And thus the whole he framed from one beginning, gathering all together, like stones in a building, into one. For neither on the one hand did he form her from without, and this was that the man might not feel towards her as towards an alien. Nor again did he confine marriage to her, that she might not, by contracting herself, and making all centre in herself, be cut off from the rest. Thus, as in the case of plants, they are of all others the best, which have but a single stem, and spread out into a number of branches, since were all confined to the root alone, all would be to no purpose, whereas again had it a number of roots, the tree would be no longer worthy of admiration. So, I say, is the case here also. From one, namely Adam, he made the whole race to spring, preventing them by the strongest necessity from being ever torn asunder or separated, and afterwards, making it more restricted, he no longer allowed sisters and daughters to be wives, 
lest we should on the other hand contract our love to one point and thus in another manner be cut off from one another hence christ said he which made them from the beginning made them male and female for great evils are hence produced and great benefits both to families and to states for there is nothing which so welds our life together as the love of man and wife for this many will lay aside even their arms for this they will give up life itself and paul would never without a reason and without an object have spent so much pains on this subject as when he says here wives be in subjection unto your own husbands as unto the lord and why so because when they are in harmony the children are well brought up and the domestics are in good order and neighbors and friends and relations enjoy the fragrance but if it be otherwise all is turned upside down and thrown into confusion and just as when the generals of an army are at peace one with another all things are in due subordination whereas on the other hand if they are at variance everything is turned upside down so i say is it also here wherefore saith he wives be in subjection unto your own husbands as unto the lord yet how strange for how then is it that it is said elsewhere if one bid not farewell both to wife and to husband he cannot follow me for if it is their duty to be in subjection as unto the lord how saith he that they must depart from them for the lord's sake yet their duty indeed it is their bounden duty but the word as is not necessarily and universally expressive of exact equality he either means this as knowing that ye are servants to the lord which by the way is what he says elsewhere that even though they do it not for the husband's sake yet must they primarily for the lord's sake or else he means when thou obeyest thy husband do so as serving the lord for if he who resisteth these external authorities those of governments i mean withstandeth the ordinance of god much more does she who submits not herself to her husband such was god's will from the beginning let us take as our fundamental position then that the husband occupies the place of the head and the wife the place of the body verses twenty three and twenty four then he proceeds with arguments and says that the husband is the head of the wife as christ also is the head of the church being himself the saviour of the body but as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their husbands in everything then after saying the husband is the head of the wife as christ also is of the church he further adds and he is the saviour of the body for indeed the head is the saving health of the body he had already laid down beforehand for man and wife the ground and provision of their love assigning to each their proper place to the one that of authority and forethought to the other that of submission as then the church that is both husbands and wives is subject unto christ so also ye wives submit yourselves to your husbands 
as unto God. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Thou hast heard how great the submission. Thou hast extolled and marveled at Paul, how, like an admirable and spiritual man, he welds together our whole life. Thou didst well. But now hear what he also requires at thy hands, for again he employs the same example. Husbands, saith he, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Thou hast seen the measure of obedience, hear also the measure of love. Wouldest thou have thy wife obedient unto thee, as the church is to Christ? Take then thyself the same provident care for her, as Christ takes for the church. Yea, even if it shall be needful for thee to give thy life for her, yea, and to be cut into pieces ten thousand times, yea, and to endure and undergo any suffering whatever, refuse it not. Though thou shouldest undergo all this, yet wilt thou not, no, not even then, have done anything like Christ. For thou indeed art doing it for one to whom thou art already knit, but he for one who turned her back on him and hated him. In the same way then as he laid at his feet her who turned her back on him, who hated and spurned and disdained him, not by menaces, nor by violence, nor by terror, nor by anything else of the kind, but by his unwearied affection, so also do thou behave thyself toward thy wife. Yea, though thou see her looking down upon thee, and disdaining and scorning thee, yet by thy great thoughtfulness for her, by affection, by kindness, thou wilt be able to lay her at thy feet. For there is nothing more powerful to sway than these bonds, and especially for husband and wife. A servant, indeed, one will be able, perhaps, to bind down by fear. Nay, not even him, for he will soon start away and be gone. But the partner of one's life, the mother of one's children, the foundation of one's every joy, one ought never to chain down by fear and menaces, but with love and good temper. For what sort of union is that where the wife trembles at her husband? And what sort of pleasure will the husband enjoy himself if he dwells with his wife as with a slave, and not as with a free woman? Yea, though thou shouldst suffer anything on her account, do not upbraid her, for neither did Christ do this. Verse 26 And gave himself up, he says, for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. So then she was unclean, so then she had blemishes, so then she was unsightly, so then she was worthless. Whatsoever kind of wife thou shalt take, yet shalt thou never take such a bride as the church, when Christ took her, nor one so far removed from thee as the church was from Christ. And yet for all that he did not abhor her, nor loathe her for her surpassing deformity. Wouldst thou hear her deformity described? Hear what Paul saith. For ye were once darkness. Didst thou see the blackness of her hue? What blacker than darkness? 
but look again at her boldness living saith he in malice and envy look again at her impurity disobedient foolish but what am i saying she was both foolish and of an evil tongue and yet notwithstanding though so many were her blemishes yet did he give himself up for her in her deformity as for one in the bloom of youth as for one dearly beloved as for one of wonderful beauty and it was in admiration of this that paul said for scarcely for a righteous man will one die and again in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us and though such as this he took her he arrayed her in beauty and washed her and refused not even this to give himself for her verses twenty six and twenty seven that he might sanctify it having cleansed it he proceeds by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish by the washing or laver he washeth her uncleanness by the word saith he what word in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost and not simply hath he adorned her but hath made her glorious not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing let us then also seek after this beauty ourselves and we shall be able to create it seek not thou at thy wife's hand things which she is not able to possess seest thou that the church had all things at her lord's hands by him was made glorious by him was made pure by him made without blemish turn not thy back on thy wife because of her deformity hear the scripture that saith the bee is little among such as fly but her fruit is the chief of sweet things she is of god's fashioning thou reproachest not her but him that made her what can the woman do praise her not for her beauty praise and hatred and love based on personal beauty belong to unchastened souls seek thou for beauty of soul imitate the bridegroom of the church outward beauty is full of conceit and great license and throws men into jealousy and the thing often makes thee suspect monstrous things but has it any pleasure for the first or second month perhaps or at most for the year but then no longer the admiration by familiarity wastes away meanwhile the evils which arose from the beauty still abide the pride the folly the contemptuousness whereas in one who is not such there is nothing of this kind but the love having begun on just grounds still continues ardent since its object is beauty of soul and not of body what better tell me than heaven what better than the stars tell me of what body you will yet is there none so fair tell me of what eyes you will yet are there none so sparkling when these were created the very angels gazed with wonder and we gaze with wonder now 
yet not in the same degree as at first such is familiarity things do not strike us in the same degree how much more in the case of a wife and if moreover disease come too all is at once flood let us seek in a wife affectionateness modest mindedness gentleness these are the characteristics of beauty but loveliness of person let us not seek nor abrade her upon these points over which she has no power nay rather let us not abrade at all it were rudeness nor let us be impatient nor sullen do ye not see how many after living with beautiful wives have ended their lives pitiably and how many who have lived with those of no great beauty have run on to extreme old age with great enjoyment let us wipe off the spot that is within let us smooth the wrinkles that are within let us do away the blemishes that are on the soul such is the beauty god requires let us make her fair in god's sight not in our own let us not look for wealth nor for that high birth which is outward but for that true nobility which is in the soul let no one endure to get rich by a wife for such riches are base and disgraceful no by no means let any one seek to get rich from this source for they that desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts and into destruction and perdition seek not therefore in thy wife abundance of wealth and thou shalt find everything else go well who tell me would overlook the most important things to attend to those which are less so and yet alas this is in every case our feeling yes if we have a son we concern ourselves not how he may be made virtuous but how we may get him a rich wife not how he may be well-mannered but well-moneyed if we follow a business we inquire not how it may be clear of sin but how it may bring us in most profit and everything has become money and thus is everything corrupted and ruined because that passion possesses us. End of homily twenty part one.